the Apollo Podcast Network. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to this week's preview edition of the Road to Glory podcast. I am one of your hosts, Chris McGeehy. You can find me on Twitter at Chris B. McGeehy. And this week, I'm joined, as always, by my indelible host, Mr. Apollo Dez himself. You can find him on Twitter at Apollo Dez One. Dez, good morning for you, huh? Coming off of uh, you know some uh, pretty exciting Astros news last night, yeah. Yeah, it was a great night. It's a great night. It's October. That means October baseball. That means college football is rounding into form, and we're getting conference play there as well. So uh, it's objectively one of the best months of the year. I think November is a close second, but uh, it's fun. It's a, All right, as man. you can tell, my my voice is a little raspy. It sounds like uh, maybe you were doing a little cheering in the in the stands last night. This, Just a this little a bit. Okay. This is a tough. All right, man. Look, we guys, listen, we have a ton of excellent games to get to this weekend. Uh, so, Des, if you're cool with it, man, we're going to jump right in and, and just do, it. do this thing. All right. So let's start with a game that is actually happening tonight. Uh, it's going to happen seven o'clock our time. And that is the undefeated number five ranked Iowa Hawkeyes traveling to Maryland to take on the four and Terrapins. Des, I, you know, this looks like a game that Iowa should be able to win, and yet they're only a three-and-a-half-point favorite. Maryland's offense has been staggering behind the younger Tagovailoa brother. Um, how, what are you looking for in this game? Is there – do we have – is this an upset special? Man, I – Maryland comes in the game 4-0, right? They they beat Illinois, Howard. They beat West Virginia. I'd say big win because West Virginia is playing some good football. Yep. Even though it was week one. They're 4-0. It, it feels like a trap game, but I do feel like Iowa is going to just flex their muscles and, and grind this game out. I don't think it's going to be pretty. I don't think it's going to be um, something that we're going to look back and, and play the highlights on You know, at the end of the year. But that's just kind of what Iowa does, right? They just grind teams out, and um, they win these type of ball games. It, it, the line suggests um, that Vegas feels like this could be a trap game, and they kind of are baiting you to take those points. Yep. Um, and it, it, I, I don't. I think Maryland will cover, but I, I think Iowa wins outright. Obviously, I think the biggest concern for Iowa is if Maryland comes in hot and just absolutely has their, their passing attack in, in full rhythm because they've been throwing it all over the yard this season. They're averaging over 350 passing yards a game. I mean, you know, that that's not incredible, but it is, you know, that's a solid, solid number. And I, I think for Iowa, as you mentioned, their best chance to win this game is to turn it into a dogfight, to to get it muddy, to get down in the dirt. Um, because if if this turns into a shootout, I think right now I have more confidence in Maryland. But for Iowa, they've definitely got the better defense between the two. So it, it's really going to come down to I think that Maryland offense versus the Iowa defense, and I think we'll know probably about midway through the second quarter how this is going to shake out does that seem fair yeah i think that's i think that's real fair i think that we'll know by then 
how that game's going to unfold because it's, I mean, it if, seems if like we've seen this game before. Yeah. I mean, if we're sitting in the middle of the second quarter and Maryland's already at 21 points, you know, and, and Iowa, even they might be at 17, 14, something like that. I, at that point, I'm, I'm going to believe that Maryland's going to run away with it. But if we're sitting middle of the second quarter and, and Maryland's only gotten a field goal to their name or, you know, maybe a lone touchdown, the longer it goes with a lower score, the more likely I am to believe that Iowa's going to eventually pull it out. Yeah, I agree. All right, buddy. We want to do that one as a quick hitter for you guys because we don't want anybody to think that we are biased toward the SEC. Des, hey, we also got our BYU Cougars tonight. Oh, that's right. People the forget big, the big boys. People of BYU. forget the forty-year-old BYU Bishop Gorman or Bishop Sycamore forty-year-olds. They are going uh, against Utah State, and yeah, I mean that a little in rivalry in the state. Yep. But I, that's one where, you know, right now BYU is listed as a nine and a half point favorite. And I I think it kind of plays out that way. Yeah, I agree. I, I don't think Utah State is quite up to par with some of the teams that BYU has already faced. But let me just say this. BYU has already beaten Utah this season. Now, if they beat Utah State, they own the state of Utah. They own the state. That's how it works. I mean, they, they already have control of Arizona based off of what they've done this season. If they have Utah as well, I mean, Jesus Christ, they're coming for Texas next, I bet. Yeah. All right, guys. Uh, so we are going to jump quickly into the next game, and we are doing these in chronological order. So after Iowa-Maryland tonight, to start off the day tomorrow on Saturday, we get a top 10 matchup, Des. We get the number eight Arkansas Razorbacks, traveling to Athens to take on the number two Georgia Bulldogs. And, I, man, we talked a little bit about this game on our recap pod last week, and I told you that I was starting to have some more faith in, in Arkansas, and I got to tell you, Vegas thinks I'm full of shit because right now <laughs> Georgia is an 18-point favorite going into this game tomorrow. Thoughts? That's a big number. That's a huge number That's for two huge top number 10 teams. For, for a team that has shown that they can slow a game down. I mean, they, they can grind beat, games out. They've beaten AM, they've beaten Texas. I mean, they they technically right now they, they kind of have a better resume than Georgia, but Georgia's just been more dominant in the games that they have played. Outside of that Clemson victory, I guess I just eighteen is huge, man. And and on paper, these teams are very very similar. I mean, Arkansas leans more into the rush, and Georgia leans more into the pass. But I mean, it they've got to be thinking that that Georgia defense is just going to come through big, yeah. Yeah, I think that's I think that's what it's um, being weighted as because. The Arkansas defense is going to run that three high with Catalan kind of playing that center field and then coming down into the box whenever he wants. If Barry Odom once again pitches a shutout, or in baseball terms, pitches a shutout, but I don't expect him to actually shut out the Georgia offense. But if he pitches a game where Arkansas covers, it's a close game, this Arkansas team is for, I think it's a very watermark test for them this week. Um, I think they got banged up. Last week playing Texas A&M, I mean, obviously, you know, Jefferson was out for most of that game in the second half. Uh, 
But I'm just interested to see how this unfolds because Georgia, we talked about it. I think they're the number one team in the country right now. They're just the most well-balanced offensive and defensive team. Um, And here we are. And if Arkansas pushes them, then I'm going to have to step back off that ledge and say that they aren't that best team Um, because I think Vegas thinks they are one of the top teams in the country because you have a number eight versus number two matchup and they're an 18 point favorite. Yep. That's huge. It 100% I mean, anything can happen at 11 o'clock games. You know, you, Georgia could roll out of bed, you know, slow and, and sleepy, and Arkansas can come fired up. But um, 18 points is a lot. I, I, I don't know I, who I would take if I had to I, I, on the spread-wise. I don't. Well, here's the thing, and I think this is going to be wholly dependent upon two different players come game time tomorrow and – one of those is obviously KJ Jefferson. We saw him suffer the the apparent knee injury in that game versus AM when he got pushed out of bounds, came back limping, came off the field for a short amount of time, ended up coming back in the game. But if he's not ready to go, this could very quickly turn into a blowout in Georgia's favor. But the other one is is wide receiver Traylon Burks. Uh, he's he's been their number one receiver so far this season he's a deep threat he's shown it time after time in these games and it's really something that that Arkansas offense has has come to rely upon but he has also been limited in practice this week you know and they they say that both of these guys should be good to go come game time but if you get a late scratch I mean that that really swings the potential outcome even more wildly into Georgia's favor, I believe. Yeah, I think so. And I think the biggest thing that we're going to see is if if Kirby Smart has the boys fired up and say they do jump out to an early lead, yep. I wonder if they're going to keep keep that fire going. Like, is this a, a statement out to an Georgia? early lead and then – You know what I'm saying? Like, if down. they blow out Arkansas, yeah, um, this could be a big – not that Georgia needs a, a resume booster, but having that on it is not going to be a bad thing at the end of the season. Well, I, I have a question for you here, and, and this isn't really so much rooted in a stats-based approach, but we've seen Arkansas be not an elite team over the last several seasons, okay? Do you think that there's any chance that despite their record that some of these Georgia players just kind of overlook an Arkansas team that – that hasn't been a threat in recent years. Yeah. I mean, that's the definition of a trap game, right? All signs point to, you know, this could be a dogfight. And yet because of prior reputations or feelings or emotions or whatever the case might be, you start to overlook a team and, and then they, you know, they surprise you. But I mean, at the same time, they've got that number eight next to their name. It should be very hard to overlook a top 10 team. For them to be, I mean, we keep, you know, we keep talking about it, but for them to be an 18-point favorite, I either we're going to walk away from this game thinking, Jesus Christ, Georgia really is that good, or we're going to walk away hella impressed with Arkansas. But I I think at the end of this game, we are definitely going to feel different about one of these teams, if not both. Is that fair? That's totally fair. All right, guys. Des, you got any you got anything last minute for 
for Arkansas, uh, Georgia here before we move on to our next game? Uh, no. All right, guys. That was the Friday night slate and the early Saturday morning slate. Coming up right on the other side of this, we are going to get into the early afternoon games, and we're going to do that right now. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Road to Glory podcast presented by Apollo Media. Once again, I'm your host, Chris, joined by my partner, Mr. Apollo Dez himself. Des, we have talked about what we're going to be getting tonight. We've talked about a big game that's happening tomorrow morning. But, dude, this is an awesome weekend for college football. And, um, man, we have a ton of good games. Uh, we've got so many ranked matchups. And I, I told everybody that we were going to be going in chronological order this weekend because that just felt right. I mean, the next game is another top 10 matchup. We've got undefeated Cincinnati going against the 4-0, undefeated ninth-ranked Notre Dame fighting Irish, Jack Cohn versus Desmond Ritter. We've got Luke Fickle versus Brian Kelly. We've got uh, a Notre Dame team that has already beaten Wisconsin this season, which, eh, you know, that's maybe looking a little suspect now. But we've got um, a Cincinnati team who has basically destroyed everybody they've gone against so far this season. You know, Indiana was so-so, but – I find it interesting that Cincinnati is going into Notre Dame as a two-point favorite. That is interesting. Not as interesting? Um, no, that is interesting. Oh, oh, okay, okay, okay. I kind of want to – I think – does does Vegas think Notre Dame is fraudulent? Because that's what it seems like. Because I feel like Cincinnati is going to just run and go. And, and I think that – I think Vegas doesn't think that Notre Dame is capable of doing that. I do and, think that maybe it's because of their struggles against Wisconsin last week. I mean, I know the final score is 41-13, but we saw how the end of that game played correct. out. I mean, that's that wasn't exactly the product of a high-flying fighting Irish offense. I mean, Cincinnati's definitely had the best offense between these two so far this season with a and also a slightly better defense. I mean, I <laughs> Or, or 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 just the fact that I think Cone's ankle may be more messed up than what they're letting out to be, right? That's, so that's fair. I guess there's uncertainty there, so you drop a line that's kind of, okay, people are like, okay, this makes no sense, and they go the other way. Uh, but Cincinnati's no joke, right? This is this is their game. This is their their season, really, to, to make a statement to everyone that, hey, we are for real. We have all these guys back. We're going to go put up points, and we're just going to go. Here, here's, the, here's our pace. Match us. Keep up with us and just go, 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 go. And where I think Notre Dame, we saw it last week before, you know, the implosion of, of Wisconsin and all the points that Notre Dame got in that fourth quarter, that they're more of let's slow it down type. You know, let's, let's be efficient. Let's maximize each possession. Let's take it where – Cincinnati just was like, hey, let's go hang a 40, a 40 burger and let's see if that's enough. And if we have to go for 50, then we'll hang 50. So it's almost a, a perfect storm that's happening because this team, the Cincinnati team, they pushed Georgia in, in the bowl game, right? Yep. They lost 24-21. And it left them a really sour taste in their mouth because a lot of people wrote them off and they played a damn good game and they probably should have won. 
And now they have another opportunity with the Ritter at quarterback to to win a big ball game and to solidify, you know, that Cincinnati should be and could be in playoff talk. Because after this, we talked about it in previous pods. They owe Temple, Central Florida, Navy, Tulane, Tulsa, South Florida, SMU. SMU may be ranked by then because, they, you know, they, they should as well run the table. And then ECU. So this is the last big name team hurdle in front of them. You get over this, you run the American, you're undefeated. Yep. And so this is this is you have to treat this like your Super Bowl if if that's if it's Cincinnati where Notre Dame has a lot of notoriety and name and they can afford um, a one loss on their resume to get into the playoffs. So where an American team can't, they have to go perfect. Oh, 100. They have to and they have to go perfect in a fashionable sense too. Yep, they're gonna have to. I, I mean, it's going to have to be a statement game for them, just like you talked about. And it, even, even if they go undefeated, as we've seen with UCF, as we've seen with Cincinnati last year, you're also, in addition to going undefeated, you're going to need certain things to break your way. I mean, and, and that's where, you know, upsets like Ole Miss over Alabama or Arkansas over Georgia, that would really help Cincy's case. Um, but, you know, I with – you know, we've talked about Ritter. We've talked about Cone. I've talked on this pod multiple times about uh, Notre Dame's running back, Kyron Williams, and how important he's been. And yet, for Cincinnati, I mean, they their running back, junior Jerome Ford, look, this kid is he's 5'11", but he's 220 pounds. I mean, he is just stacked. Built like a brick shithouse, okay? He, he's got 50 attempts this season. For exactly 300 yards, he's averaging a, a nice, clean six yards per carry. He's got six touchdowns in three games so far this season. And a lot of that work obviously came in um, in their opening game against Miami of Ohio. He had 121 yards there. Um, but he's a good running back. And if you've got to contend with Ritter and Ford – that Cincinnati offense is not going to be easy to stop. And Notre Dame, I mean, part of their defensive statistics are skewed because of that overtime game against Florida State to start off the season. I mean, we, yeah. we saw how just absolutely insane that game was. But even still, I mean, Notre Dame has given up almost 400 yards a game to opposing teams this season. That's if there's any if there's any team that can take advantage of it it would seem like this Cincinnati team with you know they they've got as you mentioned they've got their pieces back they've got continuity within their coaching they've got a senior quarterback making you know one last push here I mean all of the pieces are there for Cincinnati to really exploit this matchup but at the same time it is still an undefeated Notre Dame team that, you know, they with outside of, you know, playing a team like Alabama in the playoffs last year, they've been, they've been really, really solid over the last couple of seasons. And I think they're going to give Cincinnati everything they've got this season. Yeah, I think, I think you nailed it. And this, this comes early in the season but I'm, I, I kind of keep reverting back to, you know, the parody college football and 
we had this dramatic first, you know, it was that Monday night game is Florida state, the, the Bowden game, Notre Dame, obviously the history blue blood program. And you have this crazy game and, and Notre Dame ended up winning. And it kind of reverts back to the, the Texas Notre Dame game when, when Texas was back, right? They're like, Texas is back, but both teams just kind of turned out to be really bad that year. And if Notre Dame loses this game, I there's not a not a universe that they could spiral out of control, right? Because they still have to play Virginia Tech, USC, North Carolina. Like so those games, the, those teams are going to play up. Yep. If you drop this game against Cincinnati and then you drop two more down the way, now you're looking back. You're like, oh, that Florida State game because we know what what Florida State is. Yep. We know Florida State's bad. So, do. <laughs> Toledo's not a, exactly world beaters either. Exactly. I mean, it, and so is maybe Vegas is saying that they're they're not as good as what their record shows and what their ranking shows. You know, I and, almost I almost tend to agree. I mean, in every game this season, Cone's passing yards have gone down. And obviously, passing yards isn't an end-all be-all metric, but you know, I, there is something to keeping the rhythm of an offense. You know, like it's one thing for um, Georgia to pull their their quarterback out after the first quarter after running up 35 points unanswered inside of the opening frame and for his statistics to not look that great for a game. But when you've got Cone who is playing, you know, start to finish in every single one of these games and for his yardage to just keep going down, I, it seems like the offense is starting – to lose any sort of rhythm that we thought they had coming out of that Florida state game. One more note here, cause we are going to have to move on. I, I went through this the other day and the biggest thing with, uh, with Ritter is the man knows how to spread the ball around as you know, I mean, he, he is a, a true quarterback in that sense. He is through three games this season. He's got four different receivers that have at least six catches and 110 yards, and he's got seven receivers with at least one touchdown catch. I mean, he he's taken what the defense gives him, and he is, you know, he, he's just picking holes. If, if you've got a hole, he's going to exploit it. He doesn't care who the receiver is. He's just going to get it to the right man, and I think that continues against Notre Dame, and I'm picking Cincy. Uh, look, I think I've talked myself into it as well. I think I'm going to go Cincinnati. Respect for the American. All right, Des, we've got to move on, man, because we have (laughs) – I hate myself for saying this. I I want to gag, but we've got to talk about what might be the most fun game of the weekend, and that is (laughs) Ole Miss taking on (laughs) Alabama. There it is. Oh God, I hate this. But it may be the game of the week, dude. God damn, game this game year. is gonna be so much fun, dude. Oh, there's gonna be so many points if it lives up to the billing. But my biggest fear, my biggest biggest fear, is, is Matt Coral and Ole Miss is who they who they are, who we thought they were. Yes, did they just implode? But I mean, look, okay, Ole Miss. So we know that they have they're averaging the most yards per game in the entire country. Okay. But here's the thing. Okay. Ohio state is number two. The gap between Ole Miss and Ohio state is as big as the gap from Ohio state to 20th on that list in Michigan. Okay. That, I mean, that's, that's insane wild. to me. I, Ole that's Miss wild. is as 
far ahead of Ohio State as Ohio State is from a team 18 spots down that list. Jesus Christ. We're getting the number one scoring offense in Ole Miss, who's averaging almost 53 points a game, and the number four scoring offense in Alabama, averaging almost 47 points a game. There's the Lane Kiffin connection. There's – I oh, my God. This – if it lives up to the billing, I might not even need to watch any football for the rest of the day. I might just – you know, I, I might feel satisfied, have a cigarette, and turn the TV off and go to bed at, like, 4 30 in the afternoon dude and it's and it's that it's that perfect 2 30 sec game right brian denny stadiums be rocking yep uh it's gonna be coral who's it's gonna be 90 degrees partly cloudy i mean they spreads 14 and a half over under 79 and a half i know that look the over's the sucker bet i i just want to bet it i i'm looking at this right now and i'm like 80 fucking points. That's what they want me to do. And I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it right now. I think you you have to because I, so Lane Kiffin last year in charge of Ole Miss with Matt Corral, they play Alabama. That game ended 63, 48 Des. Yeah. I mean, they, they put up, what is that? A combined 111 points. If I'm doing the math off the top, right, right there. I mean, I look, it's a sucker bet, but I'm doing it. I'm a sucker. I'm doing it. I just I have to, man. I. <laughs> oh. <laughs> it's one of those games again that you'll kind of know the feel of it by the middle of the first. Well, here's maybe what the second. Here's what I'm concerned about. Did Lane try to pull out all the tricks last year to beat Alabama? Has he been able to come up with anything since then? I mean, the Ole Miss offense is in rhythm. They are averaging almost 650 yards a game, which shouldn't even be possible, okay? I mean, it's hard to do that in, like, NCAA football, okay? I I mean, much less in real life. The only problem is they're giving up 350 yards a game. Their their offense is not stopping anybody. I mean, points-wise, they've looked okay. I mean, they gave up 24 to Louisville. 17 to uh it was ab state and then 21 to tulane and so i know the point totals haven't been there for these teams but they are moving the ball they're having success moving the ball against this old miss team and do you really think alabama is not going to capitalize and actually put points on the board after moving the ball all the way down the field yeah you're right you're absolutely right um i'm i'm excited to see just the if if Florida the Florida game with for Alabama if that was a just a, a little a little bump in the road or it's hey this Alabama team's gonna have to actually grind through the season like every other SEC team has for the last decade where you know it seems like Alabama just has one scary year and then they're in the conference championship and then they're playing for in the playoff if this is a year where they have to be tested game week in and week out that's really gonna show how one strong the foundation is at Alabama if they get through it, but two, if this team, this young team blinks. And so they're gonna have to earn it. And I think to tomorrow, or you're listening to today, but tomorrow the 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 second when they play at 230, that okay, Alabama may not, you know, may not be that team that we thought they were. And it's crazy to say that out loud, 
but it's also I think great for college football. Alabama's being pushed and tested yep. week in and week out, like every other team in the SEC. If Alabama is mortal without having to rely on Clemson to be the one that makes them that way, it makes this season a whole lot more fun. Honestly, I just does. I mean, in, in the last few minutes, we have talked about two all SEC matchups. Both games involve nothing but top 12 teams. And the average spread in those games is 16 and a half points. I are Look, it, there's a reason there's a reason why there's a whole city of lights in the middle of the desert. There's a, there's a reason. Vegas Vegas doesn't lose. I, is this, but is this a massive just disrespect of of Arkansas and Ole Miss, or is this just the reputation of Alabama and Georgia coming through here? A combination of both, yeah. I think it's a combo of both, but I think this Ole Miss line is the easiest one that could be backdoored because I don't think – I think Ole Miss can put up a lot of points. I just don't think their defense could withstand the the onslaught, which is going to be Alabama offensively, where, you know, Matt gets a, a touchdown late you know, to, to make it a, you know, 13 or 10 point game, see that happening and Alabama running the clock out where the Georgia game, Georgia legitimately could put up 60, 70 points and their defense look like they did versus Clemson. Yep. So I, I so don't know. The, the matchup last year between Alabama and Ole Miss, as I mentioned, it, it ended up being a 15 point margin right in line with what the spread is this year. You think Ole Miss covers, but ultimately loses. Yeah. Yeah. I think Ole Miss backdoors it. Um, it, it'll be sweaty. I don't want to touch it. Anytime there's a almost a three possession, I don't like that hook of, four, of 14 and a half. If it was an even number, if it was 14 uh, or even 13 and a half, knowing that I had two touchdowns, I would I would like that a little bit better to bet Alabama. But almost you're guaranteeing you got to have win by three possessions. It's tough. It's it's really tough to do. So I probably won't touch that, but I, I just put, I put my bet in for the over on the uh, 79 and a half. All right, man. You guys heard it here from Des first. Bet the over. Doesn't matter if it looks like a sucker's bet. We always bet the overs here on the Road to Glory podcast. All right, Des, uh, coming up, man, we've still got a few more games to get to because if you thought that Arkansas, Georgia, or Iowa, Maryland, or Cincinnati, Notre Dame, or Ole Miss, Alabama was all we had for these guys this weekend, just wait. There's more. Okay? So, guys, we are going to get into those right on the other side of this. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Road to Glory podcast presented by Apollo Media. I'm your host, Chris, joined by my host, Apollo Dez. Dez, we've covered four different games so far that, uh, if I'm remembering correctly, all are nothing but unranked teams in matchups with each other. And yet... We've got some more, man. We've got on Saturday night, 6 o'clock Central time. We go by Central here, guys. That's where we are. Uh, We've got number 21 Baylor going into Oklahoma State to take on the 4-0 Cowboys. And the ESPN's FPI thinks that this is a a pretty even game. They're giving Oklahoma State a 53% chance to win. Oklahoma State is a three and a half point favorite here. Over and uh, sorry, over under is 47 and a half. And yet, am I crazy in thinking that 
Baylor could kind of just run away with this? I think that's a little crazy. I I don't want to um I don't want to tell Baylor they 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 shouldn't believe because they should believe, but it just seems like Oklahoma and every year just it kind of they kind of just can turn it on. And until they can prove that they they're not capable of doing that, then I, I can't write them off. But Baylor played really good football last week, and they build on that. Um, you got to think they're bringing some momentum into into this week's game, right? Yep. A hundred percent. I mean, they they as you mentioned, they knocked off Iowa State last weekend, and uh, now I will say this: a lot of their statistics are skewed by two back-to-back weeks against Texas Southern and Kansas. I mean, they put up sixty-six on on Southern, and then another 45 the next week on Kansas, only giving up a touchdown to both of those opponents. So it does help the statistics, but, I mean, they've been efficient. They have been. Uh, I mean, weird things happen in Stillwater, right? Like we've seen 100%. It, we've seen it a million times. This this Baylor-Oklahoma State matchup, 21-19, uh, I, I, I've seen Oklahoma State – they if survivors Tulsa, they survive against Boise. They did look good against Kansas State. I feel like they're a little overrated. I, yes, a hundred percent. That's where I'm coming down here. And so the the fact that if Baylor gets going early and often, like you said, they could. I think they could do it because we've seen Sanders over the last you know three years. He's had Wallace. He's had Chuba. He's had guys that are on. Now he is the guy. Yep. And the stats really don't back it up. He's 43 for 73 for 599 yards and four touchdowns and a pick. I mean, I, respectable guy, numbers, but it's respectable. But when you're supposed to be the guy and elevating an offense, that's not going to cut it. Nope. And if Bohannon comes in and he's on fire, obviously, uh, Baylor's averaging 42.8 points per game, where Oklahoma State's only averaging 25.8. I think I don't think you're wrong, Chris. I think Baylor could run away with this. I think that's a little. I think this is a sexy little bet right here. So, so you're saying maybe I'm not crazy then? I think you're crazy enough to believe it, and I'm going to believe it. So, I think we're both crazy. Look, you you just you know you you brought up Oklahoma State's opponent so far this season: seven point win against Missouri State, a five point win against Tulsa, a one point win against Boise. And then they beat Kansas State last weekend, as you mentioned, 31-20. I mean, it's the only game this season in which they've won by more than a touchdown. They just they're they're finding ways to win close games, which should be inspiring. But man, all these close games against teams that they kind of should be dog walking, it just it makes me hella nervous. And for Baylor, I mean, you talked about Bohannon. Can we also talk about their running back, Abram Smith? I mean, he's a senior. He's got 57 attempts so far this season. He's already over 400 yards. I mean, he's averaging over seven yards a carry. And they Baylor is leaning into that rushing attack this season, and they don't even need Smith to be a dual-threat guy. I mean, across four games, he's only caught four passes, none of them longer than seven yards. That's not what they're asking of him. 
they're asking him to just beat the shit out of whoever's on the other side of the field. And so far this season, he's done it. And if he gets going, if that Baylor line just really starts road paving here, man, I mean, that Oklahoma State defense could be, you know, figuratively gasping for air by middle of the second quarter. I mean, yeah. I know that that Baylor's actually a three and a half dog here, but I, not only do I think they cover, I am, dude. I'm picking them to win outright. I think honestly. they can win outright. Yeah, I, I think so too. The more I'm looking at it, and the more we're talking through it, I I think Baylor does win outright, and that's a that's a huge win for them on on their resume. Obviously, I I do think Oklahoma State is overrated, but. If you knock off the 19th team in the country, yep. uh, that's 4-0 at home. That's that's a uh, that's a big mark on your resume. Look, it, and if they if they do if they do walk out of this game 5-0 after beating Oklahoma State, next week they've got West Virginia, who, as you mentioned, is playing good football. But can I just give you their next four games after that? Let's do it. In, in succession, Baylor has. The big boys of BYU, they've got your Longhorns. They've got Gary Patterson's Horn Frog defense, and then they've got Oklahoma. I mean, for a four-game stretch, that is not exactly the easiest thing in the world. That's rough. And that's – they get – Three of those are – they have three home games. Those are all at home, so that's good for them. Uh, oh, that's the, the, the one against the one against TCU is in TCU. All the rest of them, as you mentioned, are at home. And the one other thing I should mention here is that they do have a bye week between BYU and UT. So they do have that to rely on. But, I mean, still, for a five-game stretch, West Virginia, BYU, Texas, TCU, Oklahoma – I, the odds of them coming out of it unscathed are probably nil, but man, it, five and zero oh, potentially after this game, they're already technically tops of the conference. They've got two conference wins so far, you know, with potentially another one coming tomorrow. They're setting themselves up for, if not a playoff spot, I mean, they very well could end the season in a very respectable position you know, with maybe some momentum going into next season uh, under uh, Dave Aranda, you know. I, You're LSU guy. I, I love the success they're having, him and Joe Brady and everybody. I'm very happy for them. Yeah, it's just sometimes you got you to gotta let go of love and hopefully love will come back around. We are a coach factory, okay? I'm not, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not worried about it. All right, man. Uh, so, I at the end of the day here, Baylor to win outright. We got by, Baylor to win outright over Oklahoma State. I, I know you called me crazy in the beginning. Is there a chance Baylor wins this game by, like, 17? <sighs> I I don't know. That's a lot. Lock it in. Nah. That's all. <laughs> I look I, if if we come back for the recap episode and then it was like, hey, they 
they won by 17. Like, it's not surprising, but I don't want to, like, I wouldn't, like, hang my hat on it. So what you're saying is if we come back from the recap and Baylor's got a 17-point win, you're not even going to give me I'll give you the props. Okay. I'm going to give you all the props. All right, man. All right, Des, we – we're done with Baylor, Oklahoma State here. We've still got – we've got our, our classic late night game to talk about. We've got to talk about three and one Arizona State Sun Devils versus the three and one UCLA Bruins. We got our pack showdown. We got our pack after dark. This game pack kicks off. after dark. This game kicks off at 9.30 our time. And right now UCLA is listed as a three-point favorite. Um Arizona State's only loss this season is to BYU, 10-point loss um, in BYU Stadium. So there is something to be said for that. Meanwhile, UCLA's lone loss this season was from a couple of weeks ago when they dropped one at home yep. to Fresno State. So where are this you This matchup should down? be a Pac-12 unbeaten. Like, if, if, if I were to look at the schedule before the season started, I would be like, yeah, I think both these teams are undefeated um right now and playing for pole positioning for the pack championship against Oregon. Whereas the same same boat, like this this is a de facto elimination game on pack after dark. Yeah. Right? I, yeah, I mean of course I especially because you know you lose two. I mean obviously both of these teams are probably out of the playoffs at this point barring yes. you know barring some chaos some chaos but in terms of the pack itself yes whoever loses this game you're done i they're they're both obviously in the south division they're both one and zero in the conference so far three and one overall but whoever wins this matchup obviously has the tiebreaker over the other one so they would need multiple losses down the stretch in order to implode so if you want to have a shot at going to the Pac-12 championship you basically have to win this game and uh and even then your payoff is probably going to be Oregon and yeah. uh you know so it doesn't exactly get easier but for UCLA they still have to play Oregon in the regular season uh, they've got Arizona State and Arizona back-to-back. Then they go to Washington, home versus Oregon at Utah, home Colorado at USC versus Cal. And meanwhile, for Arizona State, excuse me, they actually get to skip a regular season meeting between them and Oregon. So Arizona State, they – I think that – I think that UCLA wins this game, but I think Arizona, now that we've been talking about it, I kind of think Arizona State, even after losing this game, could still have a shot at at that Pac-12 title game. I mean, it remains to be seen, but yeah, I think I'm backtracking. I, I think I'm going to go Arizona State. I think we're going to have a, a weekend of upsets. And the matchup predictor on ESPN really has it lopsided, two-thirds, 67.9%. UCLA to the 32% for uh, ASU. Yep. But I just think this Arizona State team and, and Herm Edwards doing over there, and I was uh, – you can ask any of my buddies. I was one who said hiring Herm Edwards was a waste of waste of money and uh, a wasted hire. And he actually has created a really, really good program over there, and he treats it like a pro program. He treats the, the kids like pro players. 
And I think after that loss to, to BYU, and I think it was really deflating for Arizona State, I, I think that he can get them up for this game because they, they know how much this game means to them. I mean, we saw a bounce back with them beating Colorado 35 to 13, but he's going to get them up and up for this game. And UCLA, I, I don't know. Chip Kelly's Chip Kelly, and, and they did beat LSU. They beat your Tigers, and that was, you know, obviously a, uh, a big-time win for them. But dropping that game to Fresno was – bad i think this arizona state can they can believe they're playing at the rose bowl it's gonna be you know pack after dark for us i think i'm gonna take arizona state outright the thing that worries me the most is the sun devils quarterback Jaden daniels i mean through four games he's only thrown two touchdowns but he's thrown three interceptions Meanwhile, you look across the field at UCLA's Dorian Thompson-Robinson. Nine touchdowns to one pick so far this season. I just If this game is a close one and it's coming down to the last few minutes, which of those quarterbacks do you trust to, to come up that's, bigger here? That's a good, that, that's a good question. Uh, it's got to be, it's gotta I, be I think, Thompson, right? I think Thompson-Robinson's the better quarterback between the two. I think UCLA's running back Zach Charbonnet is better than his counterpart across the field, Rashad White from Arizona State. I these teams look very similar on paper, um, but oh, man, I I just think I trust UCLA a little bit more right now. Um, so you're going to Arizona State. I think I've got to go UCLA to end the night, man. And we'll we'll touch back on this, obviously, on the recap. We'll look back at, at you know some of the things that we've talked about here. But I do think that at least you know the the silver lining to all of this is number one: we don't we do not have to be emotionally invested in this game. We right. don't we don't have to put our hopes into Arizona State here. Um, we just get to watch this game for what it is, and that is what should be a very fun pack after dark game hashtag. Um, and, you know, it just let it be what it is. Let football be football, man. Yeah. I think the slate's perfect. I think it's, it's well-balanced. We have games at every single time slot and it's going to be one of the best slates of the year. I think. Yep. Now, Des, you know, I couldn't let you out of here. It is time for us to go, but I could not let you out of here without asking about those longhorns, baby. All right, all right, I'm all right. Worried. I'm worried. I look, it, they're coming, they're coming in as a four-point favorite, but and they're coming off a, a huge offensive output over the course of their last two games. I mean, 70 against Texas Tech, 58 against Rice, and and now they've got to play Gary Patterson. This game either confirms that the offense has finally found what they were looking for, or you're going to be coming back down to earth when we talk again on Sunday. <laughs> I'm frightened because it's supposed to be storming in Fort Worth for like the next 36 hours. Um, the fill's going to be a mess. It, honestly, if you look at the radar, it, the rain literally stops around 3 p.m. 
So like it's it's just raining all the way up to the end of the game, and yep. then it just stops. And then you have Patterson, who they just got destroyed by SMU, got embarrassed. He made some fake lies up, you know, in the in the media and all this <laughs> crap. And then the, the flag just, planting was planned, and yeah, like it was. What are you doing, Gary? Like, anyways, it this game scares me, and it scares me just because TCU has owned us for a decade, and I hate saying that out loud, but they have, and so you have to see. I think you're right. If this offense can go and put some points up, then you know Casey's the guy, and Sark has an identity, and this is what we should expect to see for the rest of the year. I just don't know, and I'm scared. Let me ask you this. Are you just content with a win, or is there a certain margin that you're wanting survive. to see here? Just survive. Survive an event. That's, that's all OU you care next about. Week. You have OU next week. Uh, so this is a little trappy um, with that big, the big game of the, of the season for the Longhorns uh, next week. But just survive in advance. That's, uh, that's the name of the game against TCU. Got OU next week in in the Red River, then they got Okie State after that, and then the following game after that is Baylor, who's potentially yeah. like seven and zero at that point. It's yeah. going to be a fun slate for you guys too. And I yeah, it's going to be a good month. I mean, we'll we'll know what our season unfolds with uh, this month. Yeah, I mean, you know, like I personally, as as a fan of LSU, I don't even have to worry about a tough schedule. I mean, all I've got is. Florida, Ole Miss, Alabama, Arkansas, <laughs> back to back to back to back to look forward to. So, I mean, like, we'll run that. That's slate. nothing, no, right? Yeah, yeah no, that's no. nothing. I mean, that's, yeah. yeah what, is, what is that? Is that FBSC? What are we doing? Here? <laughs> I mean, it's, it's like playing Vanderbilt every week for four weeks. I mean, I'm not worried about <laughs> it. Uh, no, all right, man. Des, we we have got an, an excellent, what is this, week five coming up? Yeah. Um, Oh, man, the the slate is getting better. We're finding out more and more about these teams, and I cannot wait to talk about this on Sunday once we've got yet another set of data points for all of these teams after the weekend. Guys, we really appreciate you joining us once again for the Road to Glory podcast. Uh, I am one of your hosts, Chris McGeehy. You can find me on Twitter at Chris B. McGeehy. Des, give them your socials, man. Yeah, follow me at Apollo Des One, and then the main account at Apollo Hou as well. And uh, and follow the podcast itself. Yep, at Road to Glory Pod. All right, guys, we are out of here. Des, um, you uh, you gonna be traveling to Fort Worth this weekend for that game? I'm not. I'll be at a I'll be at a little watch party in Katy for the Longhorn game, and then uh, just go back to the couch and enjoy all the college football that's gonna unfold. All right, man. Well, I look forward to talking to you guys Sunday. And uh, once again, everybody, we appreciate the listen. And uh, y'all enjoy the college football weekend. Love you guys.